I want to wish a major mazel tov to all of you on starting tomorrow. And as Rabbi Kessler just said, today you're starting a journey of a lifetime. This is the first day of beginning your membership as aspiring Talmidei Chachamim. Whenever you see the great Gedalim, both that are alive and Yibadol Chayim no longer alive, what made them great was their ability to understand Gemara. And the more that they delved deeply into the Gemara, the more they understood it, the more they hazarded it, which means to review it and review it and review it until you know it by heart, the greater they became in Torah, in Yerushalayim, and Kedusha. I like show and tell. I always find it interesting when somebody brings in something very important, a physical thing that you could see, and uh, it, it brings history to life. What I brought with me today, and I was questioning whether to do it because of the rain, but I felt that it was worthwhile. This is a Gemara. It's a Gemara like you're going to be getting soon, but it's very, very different in a certain way. This Gemara was printed in 1946. It was a little bit, around 80 years ago. And it was printed immediately after the Churban in Europe, the Holocaust in Europe, which Rahman al-Islam destroyed six million Kedashim. Many of us, many of our grandparents, our great-grandparents, our great-great-grandparents, and extended families were, were killed by Hitler Yemachshamai, and they were put into concentration camps, Terrible, terrible situations, as I'm sure you may have heard. And if you don't know about it, then you will, because it's very important to know history and important to know what our people have gone through. This Gemara was printed especially for the survivors of that Holocaust. The people that survived the concentration camps, and they were gaunt, they were thin, they were starving, the one thing that they requested, we need Gemaras. They just finished going through Gehenna. They weren't able to eat or to drink. Their family members were killed. They didn't know what would be of their lives. They didn't know where they were going to be accepted, which country to go to. But when they were in camps, before they were able to be free to go to Eretz Yisrael and, and, and America and other countries around the world, they were put into DP camps, they were called. And they told the leaders of these DP camps, who asked, what would you like? Would you like more food? Would you like more, uh, uh, some extra clothing? They said, none of that. We need one thing. We need our Gemaras. We haven't seen a Gemara in five years, in six years, in eight years, please get us a Gemara. And they got special permission to print this special edition of Talmud Bavli. This is the front page of it. And if you see the pictures of it, and I'll show it to you later if you want to come nearer, I'll show it to you. This is a picture of Yerushalayim, like a horizon, like a new morning. 
And this is a picture, Achman Litzlan, of the camps, the concentration camps. And it was a special edition that was made. This is Mesechas Nedarim. It's a special Mesechta. You're starting Mesechas Bava Metziah, which we'll talk about in a minute. This is Mesechas Nedarim. This was the very first Gemara printed after the war. And it's a very great historical value, and it's something that I brought in so that you understand the importance of what a Gemara is. It's not a book like any other book. It's not a subject like you have a math textbook and you have a biology textbook and now you have a Gemara textbook. A Gemara is literally the life and the blood and the destiny and the very existence of who we are. Without a Gemara, a Yid is nothing. With a Gemara, a Yid is everything. And so when you learn Gemara, understand that this is not just another subject, and a difficult subject, or a very enjoyable subject. It's a subject that is our life. It's a subject that the more we understand it, and the more we jump into it, and love it, and embrace it, the more we will feel alive. Now you're going to be starting a very special parak. And the parak is called Elamitsius. Elamitsius is a parak that all of your Abayim and myself and all of your fathers and grandfathers, the first Gemara that they learned was Elamitsius. And it's a parak, as your Abayim will tell you, or if they haven't told you already, that deals with what happens when you find a lost object. Now, without Gemara, you would think that you get to keep it. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Isn't that what the world teaches us? Whoever finds, you find a pen, you find a, a dollar bill, you find a, a wallet, you find a, a toy, it's yours. Mazel tov, it's yours to keep. The Torah sees things very differently. The Torah says that there's a mitzvah, a very important mitzvah, Rabbi said, listen well, called Hashavas Aveda, you have to return a lost object. And that's what you're going to be learning about. And you know, Ramesha Feinstein, who was the Gadol Adar, in his yeshiva, a few of the Rabbeim, maybe the fifth grade Rabbeim, they got together and they made a huddle and they discussed maybe changing that parak. Maybe it's not really the perfect parak to teach the young boys. Maybe the beginning of Shas, Meseches Brachas, deals with how to make Brachas and Kriya Shema. Maybe Meseches Megillah is a beautiful, more understandable Gemara that would relate better to the boys of this age. And one of the Rabbeim, who thought it was a good idea, went to Rav Meisha and suggested that perhaps instead of learning Elu Metzias, we should learn a different Mesechta, a simpler Mesechta, a lighter Mesechta, a, a Mesechta which is maybe more relevant. Rav Meisha got very upset at the suggestion. And he immediately did something that he rarely did. He called a meeting of all the Rabbeim in the yeshiva together in his office. And he said, Rabbi Sai, I hear that there is a suggestion being bandied about, about changing what our Messiah is, that the Messiah to begin teaching Parak Elu 
should be changed for a different Masechta. And that is a thousand percent wrong, and we're not going to do it. And I'm going to give you two reasons he said that we're not going to do it. The first reason is a simple reason, because that's the Messiah that we have. The Minig of Eseinu Biadenu. The Minig of Klai Yisrael from time immemorial has always been to start learning this parak of El Metzias. That's the, that's the simple reason, but that's not giving a reason. That's just saying, you know, we got to do it because that's what's always been done. But that's not something that sits well with everybody. But Meshach said an additional thing. He says, you know why Klal Yisrael learns Eil Metzias as their first parak? Because it teaches every single young boy that it's important to be an Er Lechayid. Who knows what that means, an Er Lechayid? A what? Good Yid. Any other? Keeps Torah mitzvahs. An Er Lechayid... You're all right. Yeah. No? Yeah. An Erlachid means an honest Jew. It means an honest, upright Yid. It means somebody that is truthful to the Torah, like you said, but in, an, in a very honest way. You know, Rav Shimon Schwab was a great Gadol, and he was known as an Ish Emes. He was known as a very true, he was always truthful. He never did any shtick. Everything was 100% Emes. In fact, he said that if something is 99% MS, it's 100% what? Sheker. Something that's 99% true, it's almost true, but it's not fully true, it's 100% false. You know why Rav Schwab became such, a, such an Ish MS, a man of truth, such an Er Lechayit, such an honest Yid? When he was a young child, Rabbi, say, listen to this well. His mother sent him on an errand to a local grocery store. He lived in Frankfurt, Germany. His mother was a big tzaddikah. She gave him the equivalent of, let's say, $10. And she said, go buy on Arab Shabbos, a day like today, a Friday afternoon, go to the grocery store and I want you to get some chalas and some milk and some, uh, some kugel, whatever, and come back with that. And he went. Now, there was a little extra change you ever have that? Like your parents give you money to spend and there is a little extra change. So what do you do with that extra change? Well, Rav Schwab did what maybe you and I would have done. He saw a chocolate bar. He had a quarter extra and he bought a chocolate bar with that money. Well, he came home. He finished the chocolate bar on the way home. And he came home and he told his mother, here's the packages. The mother said, and where's the change? says, no change. The mother knew exactly how much it cost. She knew it was $9.75. Where is that last quarter? He didn't say, no change. The mother knew and the father knew. That night was Friday night. The father benched all of the Schwab children, as many fathers do, at least Yekesh fathers, German fathers, they have Birchas Abonim. They put their hands on the child's head every Friday night, and there was a line of children, of Schwab children, that were waiting to receive their father's blessing, their father's bracha. And it was one brother, he got a beautiful blessing from his father. The second brother got a beautiful blessing from the father. Now it was young Shimon's turn. 
and he goes up to his father and he puts his head down for a bracha. The father puts his hand on his head and says, no, I'm not benching you tonight because you're a ganav. Because you stole that quarter, I'm not giving you a bracha. And this was so seared into this young Shimon's head that the rest of his life, he dedicated his life to being an Erlach Yid, an honest Yid. If we're going to be able to learn Elam Etzias properly, says Ramesha, understanding that somebody else's pen, somebody else's safer, somebody else's toy, somebody else's soda is not mine. And if I find it, I have to return it, and I can't take it for myself, and you understand that at a young age, then you will be your whole life a great tzaddik and a, an erlich an upright, honest Jew, which is what we're really trying to raise in this generation. Honest, perfect, healthy, good, happy, moral children that will grow up later in life and always do the right thing. All of that comes because of the seeds that were planted this year as you're learning Parak Elam This is what Ramesha Feinstein said. I want to add, if I may, it's very hard to add something to Ramesha Feinstein, but if I may, in my own small way, I'd like to add a Chiddush. Anyone know what a Chiddush is? Because you're going to hear a lot of Chiddushim in your life in Gemara. Something new. Chadash means new, right? I want to say something new. Sometimes your Rebbe will say something, this is a chiddush. It's something that's a new way of looking at something that maybe no one else ever thought of. I, like Rabbi Kessler, remember very well when I got my first Gemara. And I remember learning Eil Metzias. And I'm not saying that I remember every single word of Gemara that I you know, learned at that age. I hazard it and I've learned it since, but at that time, I don't know if I knew it, you know, perfect. But there's one thing that I remember that made a profound impression on me. You'll learn on the first page, which we call an umud, that's like one side of a daf. Every daf of Gemara, like you hear about daf yaimi, that's one page of Gemara. But a page in like an English book is one side of a page. A page in Gemara is both sides of the page. So Dafyami learns both sides of the same page every, you know, every day, a new page of both sides. An Ahmed is one side of a two-sided page. On the very first Ahmed of Eil Metzias, there's a series of questions, and I don't want to give it away because I don't want to spoil the fun, but there's going to be a lot of questions that are asked in the Gemara, and we always expect an answer. We always want an answer. You know, this is the question, what's the answer? And the Gemara ends with something very unusual, not super unusual, you find it throughout Shas, but it was unusual for me as a child to understand. One word. Teku. All these questions that are asked in the Gemara, teku. Anyone know what teku means? Teku means tishbi yitaretz kushya svavayus which means Tishbi. Tishbi is another way of saying Eliyoh Navi. Eliyoh Navi is going to come in Mirza Hashem very, very soon, right before Mashiach comes, Eliyoh Navi is going to come, and he's going to give us the answers to all these questions that the Gemara just answered, just asked. And when I heard this, when my Rebbe told me this, I was like floored. I was like, Eliyoh Navi? 
You mean he really exists? Eliyahu Navi is going to come and answer all the questions of the Gemara? That's amazing. It filled a young child's mind with such a, a belief in the fact that Mashiach is going to come. And it's not just some like abstract thought that maybe, who knows what. He is going to come. The Gemara says explicitly that a Eliyahu is going to come and answer all these questions. And then you're going to also learn in this parak, Yehemunach Atshayav Eliyahu. Sometimes there's going to be lost objects. We're not going to know what to do with it for whatever reason. I'm not going to give it away either. But you're going to keep it in a drawer until Eliyahu comes and decides what to do with it. I believe that the reason why Klal Yisrael starts learning Parak Elam at such a young age is because it's so important for us to not only learn how to be honest Jews, but to also believe fully that Mashiach is about to come. And that all of the dark days that we're going through right now, with Corona, with so many people that are so sick and so afraid, and so many people's livelihood, Parnassa is very difficult right now for so many people, and we need Mashiach so badly... Is he coming? Perak Elam teaches us, perhaps more than any other Perak in Shas, that Eliyahu Navi is a reality and he's going to be here soon and he's going to save us once again. I want to tell you a story. Listen to this, yes. Blot, that's right. Another way of saying a daf is a blot of Gemara. Excellent. So how many, how many blot of Shas is there? Do you know how many pages to complete the whole Shas? Anyone know? How many? No. Yes. No. It's 2,711 pages. 2,711 pages complete Shas. That's about seven and a half years if you learn a daf a day. And that's why every seven and a half years there's a tremendous siyum that Klai Yisrael makes all over the world. Did anyone go to the siyum Shas this year? Yeah. I took it, see? It was a little cold, right? But it was worth it, right? Because you were able to get together with 90,000 plus Jews who came together just to do what you're doing, starting the journey of Shas and then Emir Hashem completing it someday. I want to tell you a story about Eliyahu Navi. There was once a Yid that wanted to see Eliyahu Navi. We all hear about Eliyahu Navi. We learn about Eliyahu Navi. There was a Yid that wanted to meet Eliyahu Navi. So he went to the holy Baal Shem. The Baal Shem Tov was who? The founder of what? Chasidus, excellent. He went to the Baal Shem and the Baal Shem said to him, you want to meet Eliyahu Navi? He says, fine. I'll tell you how to meet Eliyahu Navi. He says, you go on an Erev Shabbos through the woods, it's bitter cold, it was in the middle of Russia and very, very, uh, you know, freezing, ice cold temperatures. You're going to go 
10 miles in this direction, and then at that tree, you're going to make a sharp left turn for three miles, and then at that uh, bush, you're going to make another. He gives them, gives them exact directions before Waze or GPS, and there you're going to see Eliyahu Navi. says, okay, that's incredible. So on Erev Shabbos, Friday morning, he sets out, and he tries, and he, he, he walks by foot, and he walks, and he walks. It was freezing. And he finally gets to this home, a little simple hut that was broken down. And he says, wow, I'm going to get to meet Eliyahu Navi. This is what the Holy Baal Shem told me. So what happened was, he goes and he knocks on the door. And there's a, a woman who looks like she is so thin and so poor. And he sees little kids running around the house in torn clothing and he sees a husband at the table in the background that looks very sad and it's almost Shabbos and there's no food in the kitchen and he says, would I be able to, to stay here for Shabbos? She said, you could stay here, but I'm just warning you, we don't have food to eat. We have very little, just barely enough to get through Shabbos. He said, is there any like grocery store in the neighborhood? Is there you know, a place that I could buy some food. She says, yeah, I don't know if he's open anymore. It's almost Shabbos, but you could try. So he runs to a local grocery store and he had money. So he bought up tons and tons of food. He bought sholent and chicken and, and, and kishka and, uh, and, and coleslaw and, and, and fruit and, and candy and everything that he could. He filled up these big shopping bags and he ran back to the house and they could not believe what they saw because they had never seen this much food in years, let alone for one Shabbos. And they had a beautiful Shabbos. All the children who were so depressed and their eyes were so sad suddenly became so happy and there was like a light that turned on in their eyes and the husband became happy and the wife became happy and they were eating and they were singing Zmiras and they had the absolute most beautiful Shabbos. But guess what? Shabbos came and went, and this chassid that came to this house and brought all this food, who was waiting to see Eliyahu Navi, he didn't see Eliyahu Navi. So he came back disappointed, and he went back to the Rebbe, to the Baal Shem, and he says, Rebbe, I went, I had a beautiful Shabbos, but I didn't see Eliyahu Navi. So the Rebbe says, no problem. Go back again this Shabbos. There you'll see Eliyahu Navi. So he went back, even though he really didn't want to, he wanted to stay home in his nice home, he went back, and this time he brought from his local supermarket all types of nash and food, and much more than he brought even that first time. And he comes, and he's, it's right before Shabbos again, and he's about to knock on the door. And before he does, he stops and listens because there's a conversation like some kids are crying in the house. And the kids are saying to their mother, Mama, Mama, are we going to have food like we did last Shabbos, like that man brought last Shabbos? So she said, she said, Sadiqal, do you think Eliyahu Navi comes every single week? You think every week you're going to be zeichet to see Eliyahu Navi? He says, you have, to, you have to daven for Eliyahu Navi. And all of a sudden this man realizes, chassid that was about to knock on the door, realizes what the Baal Shem had meant. A lot of times we're waiting for Eliyahu Navi to come, but he doesn't come. And we get disappointed and we have yush, which is another concept that you're going to learn about in this parak, 
Yish means that I'm going to give up hope. Like sometimes you lose something and you have Yish, I'm completely giving up hope that I'm ever going to find it. And that you're going to see also is a fascinating sugya that you're going to be very, very involved in, Amir Sashem, right? Yish, Shalaymidas, Machlekes, Abayin Rabba. What do we do until Eliyahu Navi comes? Until that great day that Eliyahu Navi comes, what are we going to do? You know what we're going to do? We're going to be Eliyahu Navi. We're going to go and save Jews wherever they need to be saved. We're going to help Jews. Like the people that printed this Gemara, they went, it was called the Vad Hatzalah. These were people that went out of their way, out of the comforts of America, to go and help rescue people. They were the people that were Eliyahu Navis to those survivors of the war. All of the amazing tzaddikim that are in the Hatzalah organization. Rabbi Kessler is one of the leaders of Hatzalah here in Queens. It's an amazing Messiris Nevesh. I, I, I can't ever stop talking about the great Milos of Hatzalah, how they literally give up their days and their nights, their Shabbos and their Yantiv, the Yom and their Purims, just to be able to do what? To help another Yid, whether they know them or not, whether the Yid is Shemr Shabbos or not, in their time of need. These are people that are really what? They're Eliyahu Navi. In our Dar. Until the real Eliyahu Navi comes, they are acting as Eliyahu Navis. People that are being matzil other people. People that are saving other people. And I want to end with a story and it involves Yitzi. But I got his permission to say it before I... So, he, so hopefully he won't be too embarrassed, Okay. So a few years ago, it was Hanukkah time, and I asked Yitzi, what would you like for your, for your present? Was it Hanukkah or your birthday? Okay, I'm sorry, I knew I messed up. Okay, it was, it was his birthday, okay? It was only like three quarters of a year away from Hanukkah, so I could be forgiven. But it was his birthday, okay? His birthday is in the summer, everybody knows, in August. And he wanted... One thing for his birthday. He wanted a drone. Everybody knows what a drone is, right? So I went to a very, very fancy store to buy him a drone. It's called Amazing Savings. Anyone heard of Amazing Savings? Very fancy store. So I bought him a very, very hush of a drone. And I went with him to the local park. We have a park not far from our house with a big open field and we put the batteries in the drone and of course Yitzi starts out right away out of the box Yitzi is a professional drone flyer he knows exactly how to make the thing fly and hover and go and this way that way he was a professional and I you know I'm an Amarit so I, I, I basically say you know I'm looking at it like so jealously I say Yitzi uh, would it be okay if I try it a little bit you had your fun let me enjoy it so he looked at me a little skeptically. He knows that that's probably not a good idea, but he handed me the remote control. And the drone, you know, went really, really high. I moved the, you know, the thing up really high. It went like really, really high, like 100 feet up. And then I like, I just sort of like said, let's see what this thing, this thing could do. And I like did it to a sharp left and it went like flying into like who knows where. It might have been in Brooklyn already. I didn't know where this thing had gone, and, but it was lost. It was pure. You talk about Hashavah Saveda, this thing was lost. And 
the, um, and I look down at Yitzi, and Yitzi gives me that look, like, what in the world did you just do to my toy? <laughs> so I said, let's look for it. Now, there was a guy, an old man in the park, and he was just looking at this whole scene play itself out, a very old man, and, and then he just, like, went somewhere, and he disappeared. In the meantime, Yitzi and I are, like, walking all around the streets of Queens. We're, like, making hakafas, you know, it, but it might have been in a tree on a, on, a, on a building. It might have been on the top of the Empire State Building, for all we knew. Like, but I was saying to him, like, the whole time, please, Hashem, let me find this drone. Let me find this drone. Let Yitzi not have to be angry at me for the rest of his life. So... And then I was just going to go to Amazing Savings and buy another one, which probably I should have done right away. Anyway, we came back to the park and we were looking high and low. And this old man, we thought for sure, we had years, like this thing was never, ever, ever going to be found. And we had mamish years midairaisa. It was like there was no chance that this thing would ever, ever appear again. This old man came running over to us and he had the drone in his hand. And he said, here, I, I saw where it went, and I found it, and I was like, I, I could not believe it. Yitzi and I ran to the house to get him, like, a reward. Very good. We got him, there was, half, I don't know why, but there was a beer in the refrigerator, and, that, and we, we brought it back to him. This old man had disappeared. I don't know, he couldn't, he walked very slow, I don't know how he would say, we, this whole thing took a minute, he was gone. And I told Yitzi, and I firmly believe it to this very day, that this person was none other than Eliyahu Navi. Eliyahu Navi, the last pasuk in the entire Tanakh, says about Eliyahu Navi, the heshiv lev aves albanim. The job of Eliyahu Navi is hashavas haveda, to return the hearts of fathers to children, the children's hearts to their fathers to reunite people, to make people whole again, to make people happy again. That's the role of Eliyahu Navi. When you return a lost object to somebody, you're acting like Eliyahu Navi. And it gives us hope that just like we are lost in this Gullus for 2,000 long years, and we think sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave up on us, and we sometimes have Yish, but we remind ourselves when somebody returns to us a lost, lost object, or when we return to somebody else a lost object, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is also going to send Eliyahu Navi and return us back home, Amir Tzashem, to Yerushalayim HaBenuyah. When we learn, Rabbi when we learn Parak Elam don't think that it's just any other book. We are delving into the ability to be honest Jews, like Ramesha Feinstein says, and to have deep emuna that Eliyahu Navi will come soon and he will bring us back and Mirza Hashem when Mashiach comes. And you should give immense, tremendous amounts of nachas to your parents and to your abeyim and most importantly to the Rabbeinu Shalom, who is expecting greatness from each and every one of us. Thank you very, very much. Yeah.